You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at Menards. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil, and uh, sitting next to me in a blue shirt uh, and matching khakis to the khakis that I'm wearing is Jeff. How are you? I'm doing well. How That's are like you, his Neil? uniform. It is. That is yeah. Jeff's uniform. Khakis, a t-shirt, maybe a, a fleece, zip-up fleece. I think we're all kind of like cartoon characters where we, we have our various uh, wardrobes. Yeah, a lot of people have told me I'm like the uh, the dancing baby from the internet. I'm just always in a diaper and nothing else. <laughs> yeah, I don't appreciate it. Um, but I know, but it's hot Especially when it's soiled. <laughs> well, I mean, look, you got to do what you got to do. That's what the diaper's there for, right? Um, <laughs> these, these recordings the get long for this week. They do. Uh, and that's Matt over there. And, uh, you know, we set it on a Patreon bonus, but we're just going to keep saying it today. Uh, happy birthday, Matt. Oh, thanks. It is still my birthday several months later. It is. And Macho Man. So you share a birthday with Macho Man. How does that make you feel? Uh, a little savage, to be honest. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, uh, yeah, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, we have uh, two very special guests with us today. Uh, both are Patreon subscribers, and uh, we appreciate their support. Uh, first, we're going to introduce uh, a contestant. Uh, she will be partnering with Matt today, and she's actually coming to us uh, from the Netherlands uh, and has a, an extra cool fact to tell us about, and that is Melanie Collins Van Berkel. How are you today, Melly? Hey, how's it going? Yeah, so um, I live in this small village called Zindert, which is the Geboorteplatz, or birthplace of Vincent van Gogh. Uh, wow. The church that his dad preached in is still standing, and the grave of his older brother is still there who's also named Vincent. Oh, so that's not confusing for parents. Yeah, no. The George Foreman method. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right. Uh, and uh, Melly, uh, you actually aren't originally from the Netherlands. Is that right? No, I was born and bred in Texas and um, got out of there uh, probably about 2005 and then moved here in 2012. Wonderful. Yeah. Well, thank you for joining us uh, and for playing today and also for your Patreon support. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited. And we are too, and I love the uh, the Dalek uh, poster behind you that the listeners can't see, but uh, always appreciate a Doctor Who reference. Um, our special guest host today uh, is an Oakland Five uh, supporter on Patreon. We appreciate it, and uh, dare I say, might be wearing one of the top five shirts I've ever seen uh, on Triviality, and that is Connell Wortman. How's it going, Connell? I'm good, guys. Thank you for having me. Uh, I am wearing a lemon shirt today, and as I said earlier, I'm wearing it because I am always sour. All right. Us too. 
Yeah, that's true. Yeah, especially me in here. All right. Please don't look that <laughs> up. It only took four <laughs> seconds. Uh, why, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, Connell? Uh, sure. I am uh, living in Los Angeles right now, uh, working as a graphic designer. And just to add fire to the terrible year that we've all had, I broke my arm in January and have just started to get the use of my right hand all the way back. Oh, no. I hope you're okay. It was a freak dodgeball accident. You didn't oh, dodge uh, the wrench, did you? <laughs> I, yeah, it was, it was actually the car, but um, self-inflicted dodgeball injury is oh the category. Wow. Well, I think quarantine has been doing that to a lot of folks. Uh, I'm finally getting over my concussion. You are getting over your, uh, your, broken, your broken hand. Uh, and everyone else is just broken spirits, I think, right yeah, here. Yeah, okay. my spirit is completely uh, shattered. There you go. Uh, well, uh, Connell, uh, thank you for joining us and also for hosting today. We're excited to uh, give you the keys to drive. Uh, but before we do that, of course, we have to listen to the rules. And I think because someone from the Netherlands is here, uh, I think we know which one that's going to be. Yep. De regels van het spel zijn simpel. 20 vragen verdeeld over twee rondes, waarbij elke vraag 10 punten waard is. Halverwege is er een speciale swingronde, ontworpen door de host van deze week. Na deze rondes beginnen de spelers aan de finale, met de punten die ze hebben verdiend. En hebben ze de mogelijkheid om 0 tot 30 punten in te zetten op 5 gecategoriseerde vragen. Aan het eind van het spel wordt iemand benoemd tot the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Now, did you understand all of that, Melly? Got it. Perfectly. Okay. All right. Good. Uh, well, uh, I think uh, Jeff and Ken, you're going to play, right? Yeah, that's right. All right. And uh, anything on the team name here today? Well, I have a great team name for me and Melly. What is that, um, Matt? So, Melly, you know, in the birthplace of Van Gogh, and this is what I've been spending all my time on during quarantine, we're going to be Pokemon Van Gogh. So, uh, of course, we've been watching the Queen's Gambit lately. It's around that time when it uh, recently came out, not uh, two months from now. But uh, what, do you, what do you say we're the King's Gambit? All right. I can get on board with that. All right. All right. Which so I don't think is a chess move. No. I don't think so, but it should be. Um, so we have the King's Gambit versus Pokemon Van Gogh. I'm just going to be here for color commentary and hugs. Uh, and let's throw it to Connell to take it away. All right. Uh, so I do not have a name for this game, but here we go. Question one, category is a little bit of you. Famous German Lou Bega is best known for his appreciation of women in Mambo Number no. 5. How many different women does he mention in the song? I, I can confirm this was a song Matt played on repeat uh, when it came out. <laughs> okay, I did a quick uh, tally here, and I think we've come to a answer. Okay. Um, so we were kind of going through some of the names, you know, I think maybe Sandra was in the sun. Somebody was all night long. I don't know. But we were kind of between eight and nine. And do you have kind of a strong inkling either way? Um, let's go with eight. Okay. We are going to settle with eight. Okay. So we also got to eight from the chorus, but there is a, another part in the song where he mentions another group of, uh, of ladies um, and we counted four in that other part. Uh, so we're adding that together and getting 12, assuming that we're counting you as one of the ladies. Otherwise, it's 11. And I, I as the you, am a man. So, uh, But we're going to say 12, including you. Nine ladies. Lou Bega celebrates nine ladies. Their names are Angela, Pamela, Sandra, Rita, Monica, Erica, Tina, Mary, and Jessica. Hmm. I think in that chorus, there's some repeats. Yeah. 
I wonder, there I know I know there was a Bob the Builder version of Mamba number five, but I don't know <laughs> if there were people's names in it. I don't know why I know that. I just know Wasn't there he is. naming like girders? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, question number two, category, you're not my real dad. Lyndon B. Johnson decided that dads were worth celebrating with a presidential decree, but which president signed the day into law? Okay, we have a uh, rough guess on this one. Okay, um, so we talked about it, um, and then Melly, you had you had a, a pretty strong inkling right away. Which which who did you think it was? I think I remember hearing about Nixon being the one to sign it into law because there was such a huge span in between when Mother's Day became a holiday and when Father's Day did. Yeah, and to brush a little bit of some of the some of the heat off them a little bit and go go into Father's Day. So uh, we're saying we're saying Nixon. Yep, us too. We are just assuming it's the president that followed Johnson and saying Nixon. All right. Points for both teams. Tricky Dick is the correct answer. Richard Nixon loves dads. <laughs> All right. Question three, category Ratatouille. Fresh chef and restaurateur Joel Robuchon was named Chef of the Century by Galt Malau in 1989. He had 23 restaurants across the globe and to this day has the world record of Michelin stars, including one he earned posthumously. How many did he have to set the world record in a range of plus or minus three? Does it go up to three Michelin stars? Yeah, it could be three Michelin stars per... They tend to, Even really good restaurants tend to be like one or two Michelin stars. Though. Yeah. Like very rarely do you get a three. Yeah. This is a straight up guess. So you want to say 20, 30... Somewhere in the mid-30s. Two yeah. Michelin stars. 32 Michelin stars. Sure. Okay. Um. So we know that... The most you can get is three Michelin stars. Um, he had 23 restaurants. Uh, my thinking is that probably not all of them had one, but there's probably some that had two and a few that had three. So I would think somewhere around like 1.3 per restaurant, something like that. Does that make sense? It's very mathematical. It does. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking it's somewhere around like, 30 somewhere in that range um and 30 gives us the 33 to 27 which i like it's kind of a a nice number all right we were pretty much on your exact same logic but we just said 32 all right uh hitting the nail on the head with 32 oh is king's gambit <laughs> you but kidding me pokemon van gogh gets points all right <laughs> <laughs> how did that happen it's crazy <laughs> Uh, I, wor I worked when I was working at uh, Michael Jordan's restaurant. One of the managers there worked at a restaurant that had a Michelin star. And she just said it was the, the standard of everything there is just so crazy just to earn that one star. It's just it's outrageous, like the kind of stuff they have to do. So it's I mean, to have that many is is so amazing. I forget what movie if it's a movie or TV show where they're waiting for the Michelin star uh, purse certifier or whatever to come. And they always said it was like the same thing. They would uh, order a glass of water. They would uh, mm -hmm. order, I think, like one app and one entree. And then they would always drop their fork on the ground to see how quickly a waiter would pick it up and give you mm -hmm. a new one. Yeah, they like, check the temperature of the water and everything. It's crazy. Consistency is key for those things. You can mm -hmm. lose them just like that. Mm hmm. All right. Uh, question number four, category, whose house? Beloved Full House character Jesse Katsopoulos was part of a band called Jesse and the Rippers. However, Katsopoulos was not his original last name in the first season. What was it? Mm, locked in. Uh, 
Ooh, putting it on these Sorry, guys. Sorry, Melly. When it's full house. No. <laughs> if you feel thunder, go for it. Yeah. I have no idea on this one. I don't remember. He, he was actually their uncle, right? Yes, because the the mom that had died, that was his sister. Okay, so maybe we could assume that they made a mistake and they retconned it and just say his last name was Tanner. Okay. All right, That's I mean, that's the best I can do. Otherwise, it's a straight guess. So. Yeah, that's cool. All right. All right. Uh, Jesse's original last name was... Was. Matt, would you like to take it? I will take it. He was uh, a Jesse Cochran. Jesse Cochran is correct. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he was Jesse Cochran, and before that, he was Hermes Cochran, and that also got taken out. If the last name doesn't fit, you must acquit. <laughs> You're telling me that the writer's room was like, all right, we have John Stamos, a gorgeous Greek actor. Let's name him Hermes after the Greek god. Why not? Just, to, just so everyone knows he's Greek. Hermes Kostopoulos might be the most Greek name possible, though. <laughs> <laughs> right behind uh, Feta Shwarma, but I digress. <laughs> All right. Uh, question number five. Category is white lightning. When making moonshine to test the purity of the alcohol, moonshiners light the brew on fire. What color would the fire be to denote its safety to drink? I've seen alcohol on fire before, and I think I know what color that flame is. Okay, we're lectin. Wow. Same. I think we can do the same. Ooh. All right. I'll let you take it away then, Melly. What is it? I, I believe it's blue. Yep, I think it's blue as well. Blue is the correct answer. It'd be cool if it was green, though, right? It'd be more magical. <laughs> that, uh, that tends to mean other stuff's gotten mixed yeah. in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought... Have you, guys uh, ever, have you guys ever had a flaming drink? No. I haven't. No, uh, have you? Oh, yeah. Come on, I mean, of course. I would make uh, <laughs> flaming Dr. Peppers back in the day, and you just you take a, a little bit of uh, amaretto and layer some... Uh, 150 proof, I think it has to be, alcohol on top. And, you, on and fire, then you sprinkle the dust from some flaming Cheetos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good, though. I mean, it tastes just like Dr. Pepper after you drop it in the beer. It's weird. Hmm. Very good, though. That is uh, a great endorsement by the uh, co-host that we call White Lightning here, a triviality. <laughs> and that brings us to our first score update after five questions, which has the King's Gambit with 30 points and Pokemon Van Gogh with 40 points. Uh, jumping into question number six, the category is In Memory of Alex Trebek. Uh, so I'm doing a spin on a classic Jeopardy before and after where I'm going to give you the two quick plots of movies and then you have to combine them for the before and after title. So okay. here we go. Steve Carell and Dane Cook go to a family reunion where he falls in love with young rebel Judith. And at the end, they are serenaded with always look on the bright side of life. All right, we're locked in. You guys are locked in. Okay, so uh, Melly did know that the last one is Life of Brian. So now we're trying to think of the Steve Carell and Dane Cook movie that would either lead into it or lead out of it. And uh, this is a very deep cut movie too. I think it, I was like forty year old virgin life of Brian, <laughs> which is a different movie. Um, I, I mean, other than the forty year old virgin, the one with him and Tina Fey. And yeah. um, he was in Evan Almighty, not Bruce Almighty. That's the one, yeah. <laughs> so we know that. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, date that night. Doesn't help. Like, yeah, I, I seriously think it's something like Greek Life or something like that. I, I remember mm -hmm. there was a smattering of 2000s movies 
that were all about Greek life. Yeah. Okay. We can say, then we'll lock in with Greek life of Brian. Yeah. Like I said, I'm pretty sure this is a fairly deep cut Steve Carell movie. Oft forgot because it wasn't that good. But uh, we're saying Dan in real life of Brian. All right. Points for uh, King's Gambit and offense to me because I love Dan in real life. (laughs) Sorry. So got- I haven't seen it in a long time, to be fair. I just remember Steve Carell being depressed through the entire movie. And me and my friend, when we watched it, we said basically any time he left frame, you would just hear like a gunshot off, <laughs> off screen. Now, Connell, what's, Is that accurate? what's the song that he plays on guitar? Because it was in all the trailers. And I think it's like throughout. Uh, it is the uh, Let My Love Open the Door. That's it. Yeah. Song. I remember that was in like every trailer. And then when I That's saw the movie, he was Pete playing it. Townsend song yeah okay by himself no who and i feel like team pokemon van gogh i think you you still have uh stamos on the brain there with greek life of brian <laughs> can you blame us no you yeah. can't i can't i mean hey uh john stamos and rob lowe don't age so i mean i i get it question number seven category she knows keanu the world's most notable immortal queen elizabeth ii was crowned queen of the united kingdom at age 27 what year does she claim to have been born in? We're, we're going to go ahead and lo- do a quick lock-in on this one. I think Jeff has a pretty good uh, read. All right. Um, so, Mel, you said uh, she was crowned in 1952? Yeah. Okay. So then if you subtract 27, we get to 1925. Is that right? Did I do that right? Yeah. So, so she would be 25. Uh, she would be born in 1925. Okay. So we're locking in with 1925. And we have the exact same reasoning and the exact same answer. Unfortunately, you guys are off by one. 1926 is the correct Uh, answer. Tough. Tough loss there, guys. All right. Question number eight. Category is Nidoran. Pokemon is the biggest selling media franchise in the world, earning over $90 billion. With the video game series being the second best of all time, only behind Mario. The entire series has 139 games. How many of them are in the main Gotta Catch Em All style in a range of plus or minus three? Okay, so uh, this one's all on me. Uh, so I, I'm going through the gens. Um, I believe there's red, blue, yellow, silver, gold, um, and then another one, I think. And then there's diamond, pearl, platinum, black and white, black and white, two then the sun and moon and then there's sun and moon sequels and then there's sword and shield so you have three six nine twelve Matt, 14, you're 16, sick. 18, 20. what's up you're <laughs> sick um i'm thinking that there are 20 24 mainland games is what i'm gonna guess uh we went a little higher we said 34 all right we have points for king's gambit oh. the answer is 32 uh matt i think you missed a few there's the green version which was japan only mm. and then there was the heart gold and silver and the the, oh, the I didn't extra the sapphires like you're right that. yeah just um, like captain and... planet you forgot heart <laughs> fire red and leaf green and all those oh i was gonna say just fun little fact nidoran is the 32nd pokemon so category name uh, is in there. We're going to be the Nida King's Gambit after this. Mm. <laughs> I love when it happens when someone explains like the entirety of their answer. It's very, very correct. And then you guys just uh, 32. <laughs> 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 All 
<laughs> just toss 34 out there. All right. Uh, question number nine. Category is test tube, baby. Not to be confused with the guy who spliced pea pods. Who was the father of the modern day periodic table of elements? You can lock that in. Awesome. Ooh. I think I know it, but I'm, I'm happy you do know it. <laughs> All right. So these guys are locked in. Craig uh, Mendel was, was the, the guy who peed pod guy. And Mendeleev, Mendeleev is the so guy who had a periodic table. Yep. yep. So we'll go Mendeleev. Uh, yep. That- that's what I've got too, Dmitry Mendeleev. Points all around. His story's pretty crazy when he fled Russia. It's an interesting autobiography or yeah. biography if you ever get into it. I will definitely not read that. <laughs> kind of figured. <laughs> Maybe I'll read the Wikipedia page. All right. Last question of the round. Category is Philicide. Presumably tired of him getting it on, which American singer was killed by his father on an unfortunate April Fool's Day? Mm. That's sad, but uh, we are yeah. locked in. Um, I'm pretty sure this is Marvin Gaye. Yep, we also had Marvin Gaye. Again, points all around. Uh, he intervened in a fight between his parents, and then his father killed him with the gun that Marvin got him for his birthday. Oh, oh what a bummer. You're bringing the hey, Jeff, Matt. Jeff energy today. <laughs> Matt. April Fool's. Matt, make sure you don't kill me with the gun that I bought you for your birthday. <laughs> that would be impressive because that, that would be one hell of a Nerf gun. <laughs> uh, well, it uh, looks like after the first round here, uh, the scores are still close, uh, as Ken alluded to earlier. We have the King's Gambit with a slight lead of 80 points and Pokemon Van Gogh with 60 points. Uh, so before we throw it to Connell for the swing round, just wanted to mention if you'd like to join us on social media, you can go to at TrivialityPod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, you can see some fun posts from Matt uh, and his apartment, uh, you know, new episode announcements, things like that. Or you can join, join us over at The Crop on Facebook uh, and uh, talk with fellow listeners. And then brand new, you can go to our Discord. So there's a, a new Discord we started for... Uh, people who maybe want a different option than Facebook. And we will say that we are uh, transitioning to Discord to record our episode. So if you'd like to be on the show, make sure to create a Discord account. Uh, and when the time comes, we can call upon you and uh, and meet you over Discord. So yeah. um, join Discord if, Discord if you want to ditch the Zuck. Yeah, there you go. That's that's a good uh, good phrase there. Save, save Ferris. Ditch the Zuck. Zuck. It's yeah. hard to say. It is, it is actually. It's not a good catchphrase at all. Not great marketing, but we're, we're, we're workshopping it. But uh, as we go into the swing round, I just want to mention we would be tied if not for our freak luck in that last, in the number of guesses. <laughs> but uh, let's hear about the swing round. All right. Uh, to segue off of our downer of a last question, <laughs> this round is called Killed the Vibe. It is a round all about world famous or infamous serial killers. So I'm going to read you a quick synopsis of their horrific exploits, and then you give me their name or, I guess, their more popular uh, media name, unless it is in the question itself. Okay. Sounds good. All right. Uh, Question number one. This killer tormented Whitechapel between 1888 and 1891. He killed five prostitutes and was never caught. Some people believe he was from hell. Jeff. Question. Yes, it was Jeff. Uh, Question number two. This killer operated in the Chicago neighborhood of Cook County between 1972 and 1978. He killed at least 33 boys and became known as the killer clown after he was caught. Question number three. 
This killer started young by murdering his grandparents, for which he was locked away until his 21st birthday. After he got out, he moved in with his mother, who worked at USC Santa Cruz. There, he killed six co-eds. After his arrest, he narrated books on tape in jail. Question number four. This killer operated in Milwaukee between 1978 and 1991. He killed 17 men and boys, many of which he ate, several of which he attempted to turn into zombies by drilling holes in their heads and injecting acid. Question number five. This killer operated in Northern California from 1968 to 1969. He killed five young men and women and injured two more. In a series of letters with cryptograms to the police, he claimed to have a body count of 37. He was never caught. Question number six. While technically not a serial killer, he operated in Plainfield, Wisconsin from 1954 to 1957. He killed two local business-owning women and possibly his own brother. He gained national attention after the press found that he robbed graves to craft trophies and clothes from human skin and bones. Question number seven. This killer operated across the continental United States between 1961 and 1978. He killed 30-plus women and kept some of their heads as trophies. A lifelong Republican, he worked at a suicide hotline, drove a Volkswagen Beetle, and escaped custody twice. Question number eight. This killer operated in Chicago from 1891 to 1894. He was known as the Devil in the White City and built a hotel specifically for murdering travelers. During the 1893 World's Fair, he used his hotel to allegedly kill over 200 victims. He would then sell the bodies to medical schools. Question number nine. Known as the Highway Hooker, this killer operated along the Florida highways from 1989 to 1990. She killed seven men with a revolver and claimed all the murders were in self-defense. Question number 10. This killer operated in Sedgwick County, Kansas, from 1974 to 1991. He had 10 victims, including an entire family. He would stalk his victims, break into their homes to wait for them, then tie them up and torture them to death. He used a church computer to taunt the police, which led directly to his arrest. Okay, now that we're all in a good mood, let's take a quick break and uh, figure out these answers. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. 
and you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we've all talked about serial killers for the last 10 minutes, and now I think we are ready to give our answers. All right, uh, question number one. This killer tormented Whitechapel between 1888 and 1891. He killed five prostitutes and was never caught. Uh, I heard that that was possibly me, although I don't think that's true. Um, there, I'm a fan of a, a show that ran, uh, I think it was a BBC show called Whitechapel, and that's all centered around Jack the Ripper. So we said Jack the Ripper. Mm-hmm. Also went with Jack the Ripper. Jack the Ripper is the correct answer. Question number two. This killer operated in Chicago between 1972 and 1978. He killed at least 33 boys and became known as the Killer Clown after he was caught. And that is John Wayne Gacy Jr., also known as Pogo. And that's what we have as well, John Wayne Gacy. And that is correct. Question number three. Uh, this killer started by murdering his grandparents. After he got out of jail, he moved in with his mother, who worked at USC Santa Cruz, where he killed six co-eds. This was the toughest one for us, but I believe I was able to pull it because of Mindhunter, and I think this is Ed Kemper. Uh, you mentioning Mindhunter reassures me that we are correct then, because we also said uh, Kemper. Ed Kemper, or the co-ed killer, is correct, and he is a giant man at 6'9", 300-something pounds. It's yeah. very scary in the show, for sure. He is. Question number four. This killer operated in Milwaukee between 1978 and 1991. He killed 17 men and boys, many of which he ate. Several he attempted to turn into zombies. Um, yeah, unfortunately, as soon as you said Milwaukee and the years, um, we happen to know that that is the notorious reputation of Jeffrey Dahmer. So that's what we locked in with. Yeah, and I just got finished listening to a podcast um, about Jeffrey Dahmer. So we got that one as well. Yep, Jeffrey Dahmer is correct. Question number five. This killer operated in Northern California from 1968 to 1969. He killed five young men and women and injured two more. In a series of letters with cryptograms to the police, he claimed to have a body count of 37. And this is possibly uh, Drew Carey's brother. Um, <laughs> you've ever seen the movie Zodiac, so we're saying Zodiac Killer. I always thought it was Ted Cruz, but uh, yeah, <laughs> Zodiac Killer. Ted Cruz, I mean the Zodiac Killer, is correct. <laughs> uh, question number six. While technically not a serial killer, he operated in Plainfield, Wisconsin from 1954 to 1957. He killed two local business-owning women and possibly his own brother. Um, given the years and the propensity to do very disgusting things with the deceased, uh, we guessed Ed Gein. I, that's pretty much what we had. We couldn't think of any Midwest killers, but that one just popped up. Ed Gein is correct. And from his dark deeds, he captured the imagination of a lot of media. There's a lot of characters that are based off of him. Yeah, and if, uh, if any of you... Uh... Is Hannibal partially based on some of Ed Gein? Uh, yeah, I mean, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like Ed Gein, you know, uh, a lot of the, the horror villains are, but, um, Hannibal might be a little bit. Yeah. Um, Buffalo Bill is Buffalo based Bill. off of him. That's oh, that's right. Buffalo Bill. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, just shout out to uh, a friend of mine, um, uh, Chuck Perello. Uh, he did a, a movie with Steve Railsback uh, called Ed Gein. Uh, it's a, a fun independent movie um, if you want to check it out. Coolio. Uh, question number seven. This killer operated across the continental United States between 1961 and 1978. He killed 30-plus women and kept some of their heads as trophies. Yeah, this one we were a little less sure about, but uh, I think you said something about him working as a suicide hotline operator, and I think that was Ted Bundy. Oh. That yeah, we sense. we had no idea, so we actually just guessed Ed Gein for both of these, hoping that one was right. So we already we already used that bullet. Ted Bundy is the correct answer. He also had a yellow Volkswagen Beetle and was a Republican. So there you go. Correlation. Number. Yeah. <laughs> Volkswagen Beetle and Republican equals serial killer. Number eight. This killer operated in Chicago from 1891 to 1894. He was known as the devil in the white city and built a hotel specifically for murdering travelers. Yeah. Um, Probably the second most famous uh, Holmes of the late uh, 19th century. We said H.H. Holmes. And I believe Leonardo DiCaprio is still working on his mustache for this role. Yes. Which, which should come eventually, right? It's already been like a decade, so I'm, hopefully it'll come at some point. And the role of the mustache. <laughs> Both. <laughs> okay. So we also had H.H. Holmes. All right. Points all around. This is your favorite hotel, right, Jeff? <laughs> He also he often summers there. Yeah, yes. Jeff Jeff likes to call it his uh his little modest scare B and B, right? Yeah. yeah, that's my favorite hotel. My favorite motel, of course, Bates. So his wow. his homes away from home. You could do a home inspection show with the home inspector Holmes on Holmes is Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> now that should be a T-shirt right there. All right. Uh, question nine. Known as the Highway Hooker, this killer operated along the Florida highways from 1989 to 1990. She killed seven men with a revolver and claimed all the murders were in self-defense. Uh, we believe this is the monster who inspired uh, the film Monster, and we said Eileen Wuornos. Uh, we also said Eileen Wuornos. Indeed, it is Eileen Wuornos. Uh, number 10. This killer operated in Sedgwick County, Kansas from 1974 to 1991. He had 10 victims, including an entire family. He would stalk his victims, break into their homes to wait for them, and then tie them up and torture them to death. All right. Uh, this one is also text shorthand for Bring the Kool-Aid, but I believe this is the BTK killer. <laughs> oh, I thought BTK was Neil's favorite Korean boy band. <laughs> <laughs> Unbelievably weak guess total guess total guess on this one because we couldn't think of any more midwestern killers and said btk btk or dennis raider as his first name is unfortunately made is correct so good job guys you know if i listened to that whole last question i would have got it i, I completely missed the entire part about tying them up and we're like who could that be <laughs> oh. uh, bacon taro and kimchi sandwich now that's a night <laughs> Well, that's enough about serial killers, and I'm not just talking about Jeff voraciously eating his Fruit Loops. <laughs> Let's move on to the second round after the score update. Yes, thank you, Ken. Uh, well, it looks like Team King's Gambit uh, batted perfect in that round. You didn't have to point out how disgusting we are. Uh, so, yes, you, you got 50 points there, bringing your total to 130. And uh, Team Pokemon Van Gogh only missed one, uh, giving them 45 points and bringing their total to 105. All right. 
We're going to try and uh, lighten the mood a bit now, jumping into question 11. Category is Bat Got Your Tongue. In 1945, the Chicago Cubs basked in the first World Series since the end of World War II, although the games didn't take place in a particularly exotic locale. What team did they play against? We can lock in. I'm not picking up on any of the uh, hints in this question. Are you? They didn't bask in any particularly... What locale? It wasn't an exotic locale, he said. I'm trying to think of maybe the opposite of exotic. Tigers? Detroit Tigers? It could be the Detroit Tigers. All right. Let's go with the uh, Detroit Tigers. God, I hate when you do that. Uh, yeah, it's the Detroit Tigers. It's an exotic animal. Joe Exotic. Exactly. Detroit Tigers is correct, if you can believe that came out this year. Detroit Tigers <laughs> is correct. All right. Uh, question number 12. Glove full of Vaseline. <laughs> that was Neil's college Which... nickname. <laughs> that was. You got to keep your hands soft for your wife. And his, ev <laughs> and his eventual uh, media serial killer name. What is it? A glove full of Vaseline? Okay. I've been down that road once or twice. <laughs> <laughs> I have dry skin. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Question 12. Which American classic was made into a Broadway play starring James Franco and Chris O'Dowd as two dusty bunny lovers? Catcher in the Rye is the one with Lenny, right? That's the one with Holden Caulfield. And Lenny, yeah? No? Oh, wait, is that the one where the, the two boys... Does the, the one boy end up murdering the other one? Isn't, isn't the one... What's the one where Lenny kills the bunny? You know what I'm talking about? I wish I did. John Malkovich? What's the other book... So there's a book where Lenny kills a bunny, right? Uh, okay. And then the guy kills him. I had I didn't have to read it in high school. That's why I'm like vaguely. <laughs> Is it Catcher in the Rye? <laughs> wasn't, You're I, thinking about your, your I was like, Catcher notes. in the Rye was never assigned to me, so I don't know. Yeah. I think it's Catcher in the Rye. Okay. And we're going to go with um, Of Mice and Men. That's the one. Damn. Lenny kills the bunny. <laughs> Damn. Now, that, so, so I said to and Jeff. Squidgy kills Liddy. I, I, I described that whole scene to Jeff, and I said there are two books I didn't have to read in high school that everybody else had to read, and one of them was Catcher in the Rye, and I couldn't remember the other one. Yeah, uh, I also catch. have never read of my son. Yeah, I know we were in the same English classes. That's the problem. <laughs> Of Mice and Men is correct. Yeah, uh, it's pretty dark, so maybe you're lucky that your little high school brain didn't have to take it in. Yeah, no, I could name a few other books that I read that were super dark. So. <laughs> now, Matt, what do you think of the band of Mice and Men? I'm a fan. Uh, it has the guitars from Attack Attack, I believe. You like the crab core? Oh, Stick Stickly? Yeah, yeah, 100%. I see. I Good thought man. he did kill the bunny, but I think the reason he was murdered is because he killed a person on accident because yeah. he didn't know his own strength, right? Well, I don't know. I d I've never read it or <laughs> seen the John Malkovich movie. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because John Malkovich, well, he didn't talk in the movie, but if he did, he would have said, what, Ken? I killed the bunny oh. <laughs> on accident. Um, no, it was Gary Sinise. But no, I was going to say uh, when I was in, in uh, New York with my friend Phil at one point, uh, we had gone to um, Times Square uh, near Broadway and uh, we knew all the shows were getting out, and there's a lot of celebrities at that time, like doing shows. So we we went to um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, saw Neil Patrick Harris signing autographs, like pretty close to him, uh, and then we walked right around the corner, and then uh, James Franco and um, Chris O'Dowd came out, uh, and we're meeting fans. We just kind of did that for like an hour and looped around. It's kind of fun. So was was James Franco Lenny? 
Uh, he was, <laughs> he was, no, he was, uh, Gary Sinise's character. He was George. Oh. George, yeah. And Chris O'Dowd was Lenny? Yeah. I'm Chris surprised. O'Dowd was Lenny. I would swap those two. I think he wore lips too, so he was a lot taller too, Chris O'Dowd. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Of Mice and Men is correct. And yeah, in the end of the book, Lenny murders a girl because he doesn't know his own strength. And so George has to do the world a favor. Hmm. I see. And that's according to the book, though, is what you're saying, not your own personal opinion. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Sometimes sometimes at the gym, Jeff doesn't know his own strength and he does 100 pull-ups in a row. Not these days. <laughs> like, but stop. <laughs> I, I heard uh, Will Smith actually fashioned uh, his scene in I Am Legend after you doing all the pull-ups. <laughs> uh, question number 13, category is, she was a giraffe. Matahari was one of the first famous female spies. In World War I, she was convicted of espionage and executed, so she must not have been that good. What country was she working for? All right, Jeff and I are going to go ahead and lock in here. Um I've seen or I've heard about her on a podcast. And I also saw a piece on her on Drunk History once. So I think it's a little bit twisty in that she was supposed to be spying for Germany on France, but France got a hold of her. So she was actually spying for France on Germany. So she was like a double spy, but she was ultimately put to death by the French because they needed a fall guy for something or something weird. So I think she was spying for France. <laughs> Uh, yeah, what what uh, what did we talk about, Melanie? I think that's I, similar. We had France, yeah. I believe I remember hearing that she was um, like a almost like Nina Simone did in World War II. She would be singing in the clubs and she would lure them in and kill them. Um, so she was working for France. Well, she was a nightclub dancer seductress, but she was working for Germany. So it sounds like your story details were pretty close on both ends. <laughs> Except for the correct answer. Except for the correct answer. Well, you know, can't have them all. Uh, question number 14, category where no man has gone before. At about 14 billion miles away, what man-made object is farthest from Earth? Um, How far away was it? Uh, 14 billion about miles. 14 billion miles. Billion. Wow. Because I was like, oh, probably the Mars Land Rover. But that's... I was thinking Voyager 2 because yeah. uh, it passed out of the... Oh, it made it out of the solar system. Right? Yeah, it made it out of the um, envelope that surrounds the uh-huh. solar system. I think it made it into the Oort cloud. Yeah, and it's still going, isn't it? Yeah, I, I don't know if they're getting data back from it still or not. <laughs> it's just gone now. Yeah, I think I think that that sounds good. I think we can definitely lock in with Voyager 2. Um, I think one of my favorite things about Voyager 2 is every like three or four years, they tell us it's left the solar system again because then they just come up with a new like, oh, it's left this part of the solar system. It's left this part of the solar system. And I think I think um, they are right that it's in the Oort cloud. And we said Voyager 2. Well, the funny thing about Voyager 2 is that it actually launched first on a different trajectory. And Voyager 1 is further away from Earth. Oh. Than ah. Voyager Two, even though it's it's non-operational, right? Yeah, I think they're the JPL has a website for both of them, mm-hmm. and they still have distance counters ticking up every second. But I don't know if it's actual data or if it's just an algorithm where they're like, "All right, it should be this far away now." Yeah, but that that's somewhat obvious after you hear the answer. <laughs> yeah, the sequel's never better. That's that was our problem. 
All right. Question 15, category, my shears are sharp. Can you believe that before Jonathan Van Ness achieved international fame as the grooming expert on Queer Eye, he was going viral in a funnier Die series where he recapped an HBO show? What was that show? And for a bonus point, what was the name of Jonathan's series? I don't know. On both accounts. Wait. He's the long hair with the the Jesus looking Yeah, it's not uh, Boardwalk Empire. Henny. Boardwalk Empire. Are there any uh, HBO shows that are specifically like gay oriented? So it wouldn't be, it wouldn't be like Sex in the City old. That was HBO, wasn't it? Oh, it's totally that. (laughs) It's totally that. So uh, we're going to go ahead and lock in with Sex and the City. (laughs) (laughs) Where a lot of Sex in the City occurred. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So. At first they said Game of Thrones, but it had to be much earlier than that because Funnier Die peak was really the early to mid-2000s. Um, so, Melly, which shows do you think were big around that time? Well, of course, Sex and the City. Um, mm. On that, oof, that's about all I can think of. Yeah. And I make, didn't really watch HBO. Yeah, and it would make sense for him to do a show like that. So we said Sex, uh, Sex and the City... And we said, uh, for the bonus point, uh, Mess in the City was a show. We don't know, though. I can chime in, uh, Connell, if that's okay. Please do. So I, a couple teams had said it, I think, and when you hear it, it makes sense. But I believe it was for Game of Thrones, which Jeff forgot to mention until the end of their conversation. And I believe the name of it was Gay of Thrones. <laughs> oh, I that had is seen correct. that. <laughs> I forgot about that. Wow. So yeah. everybody knows Funny or Die because of uh, Baby Landlord, whatever mm-hmm. it was actually called. And that was definitely its peak, but, you know, it stuck around. And that's where totally Jonathan got his start. I about that. I did, I, a, I, didn't know. I did a short film that I put on Game, uh, not Game of Thrones, uh, on Funny or Die uh, early on when it first started. And it, when it first started, if you put a short film on there, people could rate it uh, good or bad. And there was like a ticker. And so it would be like if it was funny, it would, you know, go to funny. If it was bad, it would go to die. And I put a short up there, and <laughs> I remember the only two comments I got, and it's kind of stuck a little bit towards funny, was, this is sick, and why would you make this? <laughs> uh, and, and... I'll, I'll be requesting a screening later. Okay. Yeah. I'll okay show you what later. was the title of that short film, please? Uh, it was um, Family Tree Contraceptives. <laughs> <laughs> so there you go. I can't, I'm surprised that I remembered it, but yes, that's what it was. Yeah. All right. So let's get that uh, let's get that needle far into the funny category. And uh Matt, a little uh since it is your birthday, a little callback. Uh the, the manager that we shared at the coffee establishment was was in that short film. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Full chest the... tattoo on display, I'm sure. Yes. All right. Well, after five questions in the second round, uh our scores are just incrementally larger. Uh the King's Gambit with one forty. And Pokemon Van Gogh with 125. Then we're going to jump into question 16. Category is Rosemary's Baby. Doom is the game that started the first-person shooter craze back in 1993. And in September of this year, an internet user was able to get it to run on what drugstore health product? (laughs) I think I remember this. All right, then this one's on you. 
Okay, we can we can lock in. <laughs> so, you said contraceptives, but is it on a pregnancy test, like a computerized pregnancy test? Oh, that would be ridiculous. Or um, what or else like you a, got? Diabetes. Yeah, say a, like a blood, monitor. Yeah, like a blood sugar, blood glucose monitor. But when I think of that's more techy, you know. So yeah. when I think of a drugstore yeah. product, I think it's a pregnancy test. Just using the computing power of the pregnancy that's test really to funny. run it. <laughs> Let's go with it. Been using the BFG on a pregnancy test. Locking uh, <laughs> into the pregnancy test. Pregnancy test is the correct answer. They got that tiny little digital screen, and there's very little positive space. It's all negative space except for the walls. So it's. I think it's only positive piece. space fifty percent of the time. <laughs> Now you don't want to speed run it on a pregnancy test is what you're saying. Gotcha. All right. Uh, question 17 category is the greatest nation. In 1942, private Wojtek joined the Polish army as they were evacuating the Eastern front. After his unit merged with part of the British forces in Italy, he earned fame at the battle of Monte Cassino for moving incredibly heavy boxes of ammunition with his bare hands. He retired at the rank of corporal and spent the rest of his days in Scotland. What was Corporal Wojtek? So the, I, I'm listening to this question and then the, the actual question part comes and I'm just completely thrown for a loop. Um, I actually know this though, so we can lock in. <laughs> Is it a gorilla? I thought it was a man, the whole question. I have and then no he says, idea. what was he? World War Two, so no, not not a machine. He said bare hands, so it has to be a some kind of animal with hands, right? <laughs> <laughs> so a gorilla. I, I've never felt more lost. I don't in think my a monkey life. could. A chimp. Could, not picking up more than a human, right? A chimp probably could. If he's doing your pull-ups, you might be able to. A yeah. gorilla definitely could, a but a I don't. A baboon. A baboon could not. <laughs> lift more than a human i think <laughs> rip your face off yes i would say a gorilla even though having a gorilla on the front lines <laughs> little hazard i would love to tell you that i've heard dumber things that have been done in history but all right we're gonna say it's a gorilla uh you're gonna be mad at yourself so if he was in the u.s army he would have the right to use his bare arms but he's using his bare hands uh, it's a bear <laughs> Yeah. Corporal <laughs> Wojtek was a bear. He uh, saw some soldiers lifting ammunition boxes and he was just like, I'm going to do what they're doing. And he picked up the ammo and got promoted. <laughs> Did he have a first name or was he just known as Wojtek? No, he was just known as Wojtek. So the Which soldiers rescued him <laughs> from Iran, I think, as they were evacuating. And they fed him beer and cigarettes and they were just like, all right, he's a soldier now. <laughs> oh, wow. Just one of the boys. Uh, uh, question 18. Category is Pharaohs. Camp, Because the Internet, and Awaken My Love are three albums from what multi-talented artist? Ooh, we're locked, locked in. in. Yep. Ooh, in harmony, too. Childish Gambino, Donald Glover. I was listening to Camp yesterday. Childish Gambino. Childish Gambino is correct. Still love that album. Yes. I always say I'm not going to listen to the last song because it's 10 minutes long and it ends in like a monologue. And then it's I just, always yeah. listen to the oh, last yeah. song. It's it's just the story of him at camp. Like it yeah. literally is. 
All right. Uh, question 19. This is a find the connection round. So I'm going to give you four words and then I need you to find the word that they all have in common. Okay. The words are opening, devise, egg, and cross. Yeah, I, I think uh, a couple of things we were discussing. We said, I said chess, but for openings and cross, but I don't think that the other two fit. Um, egg, I, egg is a term for, in Twitter for a person with no profile. And uh, is it egg is a term in magic for a zero cost spell? All right, get out of here, nerd. <laughs> uh, I just I'm sticking on egg. Oh, maybe maybe uh, Easter. You got eggs. You got cross. I don't know. I, I'm good with that. That's gotta tomb. watch out for that Easter device. The, yeah, the tomb <laughs> opens on Easter, so yeah. Well, it's my Starbucks is open on Easter, so uh, yeah, that's a thing. So yeah, we'll say Easter. Untitled sure. coffee chain, Matt. <laughs> oh, that's right. Excuse me. All right. Uh, the only thing we could get to was uh, devil. And uh, I don't know what the devil's opening is, but uh, Neil found it quite funny. Uh, so we're saying devil. Well, I think we all know what the devil's opening is. But the answer I was looking for was hatch. Hatch. An opening can be a hatch. You can hatch a plan. Oh. Eggs hatch. And cross hatch is a term in mm. illustration. Ah. Uh. Good one. So I have a question. The devil's opening, is that next to the devil's doorbell? <laughs> well, that depends on what you think the devil's doorbell is. Oh, I know what that is. Can somebody please explain to me the devil's doorbell? I think a lot of men need help getting explain what the devil's doorbell is. So with oh. a mommy devil and a daddy devil. Oh. <laughs> next question, please. Quickly. All right. Uh, question number 20, last of round two. Category is, look at his face. In the episode of The Office, Welcome Party, where Stanley comes back from the hospital, the staff writes Stanley a welcome back card that says he got a mustache-ectomy. Does Stanley have a mustache? Okay, we're locked in. <laughs> so I remember the episode, and they... Uh... They had a picture of him, and they drew a mustache, and they would put it up and take it away, and they couldn't decide which one looked right. And now I can't decide which one looks right in my head. Are you an office person, Melly? I've never seen an episode. Okay. I've So I, it's the show that I fall asleep to, so I've seen every eight minutes of every episode 300 times. Good. Um, so one would think you got this? Yeah. I think, I think he does have a mustache. I'm going to say yes on the mustache. Yes, he has a mustache. Yes, Stanley does have a mustache. <laughs> After regulation, the scores are very, very close now, which is going to make the final round even more important. Uh, with 165 points are Pokemon Van Gogh, and with 170 points is the King's Gambit. Uh, tight. tight. So, uh, Connell, what are right. those five categories that our players can wager on today? All right, our final five categories are in the area of Magic the Gathering. Let's get out of here. <laughs> Category one is forest. Category two is island. Category three is mountain. Category four is plain. And category five is swamp. Okay, the wagers are locked in and both teams have decided to go for it. And all the points are on the board. I think 30 we would like to uh, revel in riches. That's a magic card. Oh, <laughs> and we're just hoping that the uh, swamp question is about Shrek. Please, uh, please tell us the questions <laughs> for the final. 
All right. Category is Forest. The question is, Tom Hanks's first wife was on an episode of the same TV show where he met his current wife. What was that show? Category two, Island. The Clifford the Big Red Dog series is about a giant red dog and his best friend, Emily Elizabeth. The pair live on a fictional island based on where the author, Norman Bridwell, actually lived. He may or may not have bumped into a Kennedy or two. What is the name of the real island? Category three, Mountain. Coors Light cans turn blue when they're cold, with their slogan boasting, as cold as the Rockies. The mountain featured on the can is Wilson Peak in Colorado. What is Colorado's state nickname? Category four, Plain. Humanity has always been fascinated by flight and money. So, of course, we would find a way to combine the two. What kingly airline is the oldest in the world? And category five, Swamp. What was the first ever winner of the best animated film category? All right. While uh, these players get a chance to discuss their answers, we'll be right back. But before I throw it to them, just want to say... Uh, thank you to Connell and Melly for being Patreon supporters. If you'd like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast, where you can get over 30 hours of extra audio content, as well as some great perks like stickers, posters, and uh, curated boxes. So if you'd like to join them and uh, help support our show, uh, it's been so great uh, these past uh, six, seven months, uh, and it's been super helpful. So if you'd like to join them, you can go to patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. <laughs> Hey there, I'm Dylan Lewis, one of the hosts of Motley Fool Money. Each weekday on Motley Fool Money, we talk through the business news you need to know and the stories moving stocks on Wall Street. On weekends, we dive into the industries shaping tomorrow and host the experts, authors, and executives that understand them. Tune in for insights, a long-term perspective on investing, and of course, stock ideas, plenty of them. To quote a listener, it pays to listen. Check us out and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and get more time to actually play the games you love with the IGN Daily Update podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. You'll hear everything from Comic-Con coverage to the huge Diablo 4 launch. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update, wherever you get your podcasts. All the answers are now locked in, so let's get the questions one more time and see how we did. All right. Question one, category forest. Tom Hanks's first wife was on an episode of the same TV show where he met his current wife. What was that show? Yeah, this one we just have no idea, so we're just throwing a guess out there and saying happy days for 30 points. <laughs> it's surprising because it's based on you guys, but I'll throw it to Matt. That's that's so funny because, um, you know, we're also hoping that these happy days are yours and mine because we, we also guessed happy days. Oh, I was thinking uh, it would be about you and you and Ken, Jeff. I think it's Bosom Buddies. Bosom Buddies is the correct answer. Oh, man, I said oh. Bosom Buddies. <laughs> It was a show I had never heard of until writing this question. All right. Uh, question two category was Island. The Clifford the Big Red Dog series is about a giant red dog and his best friend, Emily Elizabeth. The pair live on a fictional island based on where author Norman Bridwell actually lived. He may or may not have bumped into a Kennedy or two. 
What is the name of the real island? Okay, I believe we've previously established that uh, Clifford was red because of all the blood on his white fur from his victims, <laughs> That's right. right? That's right. Yeah. Jeff had an answer for this one. Yeah, uh, Kennedys are famously like a big Massachusetts family, and one of the places that wealthy Massachusetts people tend to go is uh, Martha's Vineyard, so that's what we guessed. Ah, and we decided to go with Cape Cod, which is not an island now that I think about it. Melly, you're right about that. Uh, so the answer is Martha's Vineyard, uh, mm. and it is my home. So I always try and include one Martha's Vineyard question in every quiz I write. That would have been very useful information 15 minutes ago. That's exactly why I didn't say anything. Uh, category three, mountain. Coors Light cans turn blue when they're cold, with their slogan boasting, as cold as the Rockies. The mountain featured on the can is Wilson Peak in Colorado. What is Colorado's state nickname? Uh, we weren't super sure on this one, but for another 30 points, we just guessed Rocky Mountain State. Hmm. Yeah, uh, for my birthday, I was riding that silver bullet all the way to the <laughs> Centennial State. Centennial State is correct. And I got to give a shout out to my grandma for that one because for about 10 years, whenever we would talk on the phone, she would always start the conversation off with, guess which state nickname I'm in right now. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got maybe one right ever. Uh, category four, plane. Humanity has always been fascinated by flight and money. So, of course, we would find a way to combine the two. What kingly airline is the oldest in the world? Take a guess. Yeah. Uh, for 30 points, we didn't know. Uh, we named a lot of airlines, but we couldn't think of one that had a kingly sounding name. We guessed uh, maybe this was KLM. Oh, well, you worked your way into that one because we're pretty sure it's KLM. KLM is correct. We're getting a lot of lucky it guesses. It literally <laughs> stands for king. So K is coding like like um, it means kingly it goes for the it, the government runs it nice that is a better explanation than any i could have given so thank you <laughs> oh, I'll uh, i will uh, chime in here real quick uh just for a little uh spoiler um the scores are basically exactly the same now because all of their answers have washed out up until this point so whoever so we're up by five you're up by five so so it all comes down to the swamp question <laughs> <laughs> all right who's gonna get it right with a with a chest, I have to say, category five, Swamp. What was the first ever winner of the category best animated film? Gotta go with Shrek. We'd be such a loser if we didn't get this one. Yeah. Shrek. Shrek, our beloved Shrek, is correct. Shrek is life. Shrek is love. <laughs> well, as we said, uh, it all came down to that last question, and the scores, uh, as far as wagering is concerned, didn't change. So the final scores are 195 for Pokemon Van Gogh, and with 200 points, wow. today's cream of the crop, the King's Gambit. We must quit. <laughs> well played, guys. Very close. Good job, game. everybody. Well, I forgot to add my 10 extra bonus birthday points. All actually, right, give him so. the bonus points for his birthday. 10 <laughs> bonus points. You guys are the cream of the crop. We must Hey. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Well, uh, thank you, Matt, uh, for uh, sharing your birth with us uh, and giving giving those extra points. I could have gone without all the birth photos, though. <laughs> well, it's important that when you lose, you just keep asking for the points to change until you win. That's yeah. usually how that works, right? Yeah. yeah. You know, let this not be a precedent, okay? <laughs> uh, well, thank you, uh, thank you guys uh, for that great game uh, that I got to uh, witness here. But uh, Melly, thank you very much for joining us, especially all the way from the Netherlands, uh, our home away from home. Uh, any last words uh, that you'd like to uh, shout out? Um, the only thing I can think of is mask up. Mask mm. up, everybody, stay safe. Yes, thank you for saying that and uh, for supporting us on Patreon as well. We appreciate it, uh, and for staying up late as well. Um, oh, thanks for having me, y'all. Of course. Uh, and uh, Connell, thank you very much for hosting this game. The questions were uh, really well written. Uh, we loved having you. Uh, yeah, these were great. Uh, any last words from you? Uh, it's been a pleasure. I really appreciate you guys having me. I want to throw a few shout outs to the crop right now. Some guys took a look at my trivia. Elliot, George, Louis, Matt, Nathan, and Steven. Um, I want to say thank you to my friends who played the game in my Willennium friends group. And thank you to my girlfriend, Jenny, who introduced me to this podcast before we started dating. So, Yay. Oh, wow. Well, well, thank you to Jenny uh, for starting it all. So I uh, will have to have her on very soon. Uh, well, yeah, we hope you heal up fast. Uh, and thank you uh, all for joining us. Uh, for Connell, uh, Melly, Matt, Jeff, and Ken, my name is Neil, and that was Triviality. I don't know about Devil's Opening, but Devil's... <laughs> <laughs> you know all about the Devil's Opening, Neil. <laughs>